I would ask you this morning to turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And as we continue to prepare our hearts for communion this morning, we believe it important for us to understand where it is that we have come from. For our celebration of the Lord's table this morning is not simply an isolated event that we do in a vacuum here at Ferguson Avenue Baptist Church every few months. It's not something that's independent of us and independent of uh, to this church. It is something that is the culmination of two millennia of Christian history carried on unbroken since first instituted by our Lord in order to remember him and his sacrifice. However, this history that we are taking part in, that we are joining ourselves to this morning, is not a simple history. The history of the bread and the wine of the Lord's table is itself soaked in the blood of the martyrs, which was shed in order to preserve the truth that we celebrate this morning. During the Protestant Reformation, particularly in England, During the reign of Queen Mary, who became known as Bloody Mary, if you remember your history classes, nearly there's a reason that she was called Bloody Mary, and that was that nearly 300 people were burned alive at the stake during her reign. 300 Christians, 300 faithful men and women, and in a few cases even children, were burned because of their convictions, because of their beliefs. And in 1890, J.C. Ryle, a theologian, wrote a paper asking the question, why is it that our reformers were burned? Why were these men and women, why were these children burned alive at the stake? Why would the queen do such a thing to faithful, learned Christian men and women? And he concluded that the primary reason why the English reformers were burned at the stake was their refusal to embrace the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation. The idea that when the priest speaks the words of consecration over the bread and the wine, that those elements actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ in a real and substantial way. That's what the Catholic Church taught, and these people refused to embrace and believe that doctrine, and so they were burned, one after another, tied to stakes, and lit on fire over their refusal to compromise this one essential doctrine. Now it's hard for us to even begin to comprehend how this could be. Why would people be willing to die over proper celebration of the Lord's Supper? Our shock at the reality of this demonstrates, I think, that we have failed to adequately grasp the great significance, the great beauty and wonder of the Lord's Supper. And we have failed to understand how egregiously it had been distorted prior to the Protestant Reformation. In the Catholic Church, the entire worship service, or the Mass, is structured around the Eucharist. In their understanding, though, the Eucharist is very different from our celebration of the Lord's Supper. For Catholics, you see, the Eucharist is actually a sacrifice, Week in and week out, when they come together, they believe that they are sacrificing anew the body 
of our Lord. When the priest consecrates the bread and the wine, they believe that they actually become the body and blood of Jesus in a real and substantial way. And so therefore, in this Eucharist, Christ is presumed to be sacrificed again for the sins of those taking the Eucharist. And this is not just how Protestants might describe what's taking place. Listen to the words, this from the official Catholic Catechism drafted in 1992. It says, As sacrifice... The Eucharist is also offered in reparation for the sins of the living and the dead and to obtain spiritual and temporal benefits from God. This is what the reformers refused to believe. That when they came together to take the Lord's Supper, that that Christ was being sacrificed again and He was being sacrificed for the reparation of our sins. Week in and week out, every time the Mass is performed, this is what they believe is taking place. And this belief, embraced by millions of Catholics around the world today, is taught as biblical truth to countless people over the past 2,000 years. This is one of the most vile and egregious abuses of biblical theology that completely distorts the gospel of Christ. Compared to what... Catholic Church teaches, listen to what the author of Hebrews says. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you're already there, we'll start in verse 11. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he is perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Jesus Christ has been sacrificed once for sins. And has ascended into glory and sat down having finished his work. This was the truth that the reformers believed important enough to die for. To be burned at the stake for. And yet every week this continues, this idea that our Lord must be sacrificed week in and week out. We do not need to ever compromise this truth because in compromising this truth, we compromise the gospel. We claim that the cross was not sufficient to pay for our sins. And so this weekly sacrifice of the Eucharist is necessary to dispense grace for forgiveness. This truth was so important that the reformers would rather be burned alive at the stake to leave family, children, spouses behind rather than compromise on this. However, this doctrine alone was not the only abuse. Throughout the Middle Ages, uh, the Catholic Church also began the practice of withholding the cup from the laity. So when they would come together, the common members of the church were not allowed to participate in the drinking of the wine. They were not given both bread and wine because the church claimed since both became the body of Christ, it was not necessary for them to take the cup. It was only necessary to take the bread. However, many of the reformers believed that this withholding of the wine from the laity had more to do with the idea that since this was the actual blood of Christ, We couldn't risk contaminating the cup by letting the laity drink from it. And we certainly couldn't risk spilling any of the blood of Christ 
by letting the vile, the common people, take part. They were unworthy of putting their mouth to the cup to drink. In other words, it was the faulty theology that this wine had become the blood of Christ that caused the church leaders to believe the common person was not worthy. They were too much of a risk. And so they were excluded, kept away from the table. But contrast that to what our Lord said, as we read in our call to worship just a minute ago. Jesus says he eagerly wanted to share the table with his friends, men who were commoners, men who were uneducated fishermen. And he likewise today calls those that have trusted in him and that walk in obedience to his word, his friends. And he invites us, his brothers, his sisters, without distinction to come together and partake at his table. Not to sacrifice him again for the forgiveness of sins, but to remember his sacrifice once for all. This is the truth that the reformers considered more precious than our lives, than their lives. And let us likewise hold this truth in highest esteem as we sing and continue to prepare our hearts to receive communion.